to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you could respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 50 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and so much more. I'm your host, as always, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about pride, mandating woke culture, more balloons being shot down, fires start at the same time in Canada, George Soros and the New World Order, UFO whistleblowers, and was Bob Lazar telling the truth all along? An all new Opus Corner, and for history, we'll be talking about Dorothy Kilgallen, did she know too much about the JFK assassination? And that day when Regis Feldman talked Norm Macdonald out of winning Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Memes and much more, so stay tuned. Now as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Mr. Jake Grant. Welcome Jake, how are you? Doing great, Jeremiah. Really great. Uh, I'm looking forward to today. And I hope you're doing well, Jeremiah. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I, I've been I've been working on this week's uh, this week's history for you guys because I think it's really fascinating, and I know that you got some fascinating stuff. And I'm pumped that it's episode 50. I mean, that's a milestone right there. So yeah, yeah. You know, the fifty dollar bill has the the last name Ulysses S. Grant on it. So oh, uh, there you go. You know, ha happy Grant uh, Day milestone man happy grant episode <laughs> sweet man all right well you ready to dive right in yeah let's do it let's do it <laughs> 
All right. So, of course, in our previous episode last week, I warned, hey, we're really going to not try to overcover this particular topic of the you know what month, you know, right? Mm-hmm. June is here. Oh, here it comes. Watch out. Uh, I, I find it funny that this was posted by uh, Elon Musk, corporate media pushing their agenda. Uh, but just because it's so prevalent, uh, we're just going to spend just a, a few minutes today uh, really looking into, you know, what about the scriptures? What does the scripture say about pride, right? And, uh, of course, here's the meme. I wish God would just speak to me, right? <laughs> I'm about to read this. It's right all right there and right in front of you. Why don't you figure out what he's wanting to say to you? <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, just on the topic of pride, uh, you know, Proverbs 16, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Uh, you know, looking at 1 Corinthians and the definition of love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Oh, so <laughs> what kind of love uh, are they pushing this month? You know, it's the humble that are exalted, right? Before downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And, of course, uh, as the United States waves its flags of pride, pushes our agenda all across the world through our media, uh, we have to remind ourselves that pride comes before the fall, right? Yep. The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, the prideful, right? For all mm-hmm. that is exalted, and they will be humbled. What, like, what, what does pride even mean, like, the, the origin of it? Like, when it's so pride, about it, yeah, pr- pride is lifting up your heart, be, making yourself feel exalted. And, uh, and what we're seeing in today's world, of course, is people who are identifying as something that the scripture defines as sin. I, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, there, it, but... it's just kind of like, you know, the Bible kind of predicted Pride Month because it said Pride comes before oh, yeah. fall, you know? It's just crazy to me. If anything, it's a declaration of the state of the world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, here's just a, a, a few things. Uh, remember that the rainbow represents a promise, not pride. And as a certain community takes a symbol of a rainbow and they wave it around to represent their sin and their identity tethered to that discrepancy uh, against the scriptures, uh, when they wave it around as their identity, uh, they're taking something that was given as a promise in the Bible of mercy after judgment because of sin. Right, and they're mm-hmm. waving it in God's face, and that's kind of what's sick about it. Uh, the rainbow is a sign of God's mercy, not a symbol of humanity's confusion. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of confused people uh, who are now turning something that should be classified as uh, a mental illness into something that should be trumpeted and honored and lifted up into every echelon of society uh, because of inclusiveness, right? Uh, And we just remember what the first Pride Month looked like. You know, (laughs) Satan getting cast out of heaven because he exalted himself, saying, I will be glorified. I will be like the Most High. And uh, and in a way, uh, people who take take Pride Month and they're waving their rainbow flags 
are doing the same thing that we see Satan did in the scriptural account of being uh, cast down from heaven for exalting himself. Because whenever you take something that the scripture defines as wrong and you trumpet it and you make it part of your identity and you make it something that you boast about, then in a way you're calling yourself God. You are saying that the Almighty doesn't know better, right? That you're the one who can define right and wrong, thus exalting yourself, turning yourself into a little idol. And uh, and, and that's just kind of the, the crazy world we live in, right? Uh, here's a funny one. Uh, I was born a man, but I identify as a woman. Who are you to judge? Well, I identify as a judge. <laughs> oh, man. But... Uh, just because we're entering into this topic and a prevalent news story just broke regarding this topic, I have to bring it to the, the forefront of our attention because we see here that uh, a woke credit score has been going out to all these corporations. And this is the reason that perhaps they all have to change their logos to look a certain way during this month. And it's really telling. So let's check out this first video. And it actually exposes why Bud Light was bowing down to the woke agenda, which ended up in them losing billions of dollars on their market value. So check out this video of the woke credit score explanation. Why are so many companies going woke? There had to be some reason. And after some digging, I found it. The CEI, Corporate Equality Index, AKA the woke credit score. It's a made-up score based on how much a company is pushing woke issues. And who made up and gives this score? An organization called the HRC, a massive political lobbying group. Apparently, HRC sends representatives to corporations every year, telling them the kind of stuff they have to make visible at the company, give them a list of demands, and if they don't follow through, there's a threat that they won't keep their CEI credit score. If they get a bad score, then the woke investor funds start putting pressure on the boards. Woke activists are mobilized out in the street. Advertising campaigns are shut down. Anyone that continues to do business with them will also be penalized. A woke credit score uh, being pushed by a company called HRC, uh, which reminds me of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wonder if there's any relation between her and that particular organization. Well, you know what they say. Oh, man. Everything woke turns to shit, okay? Oh, my favorite clip. Yes. <laughs> oh man i mean that reminds me uh yes that does happen it all falls apart uh in crazy town and so let's check out this next video which is what would happen if our world became run by these woke cultists right and uh, exactly how ridiculous it would end up check out this next video no, nothing gets done in a woke society. There's this video of like a conference going on. Hi, I am Andy P uh, from Los Angeles, they, them pronouns. Um, there was a previous point of privilege about waving around signs. And then another guy gets up and he's like, I just like to say to all the people chattering in the audience, I have sensory issues, so I need you all to be quiet while each person is speaking. And then Hi, James Jackson, Sacramento DSA, he, him. I have already asked people to be mindful of the chatter of their comrades who are sensitive to sensory overload. And that goes double for the heckling and the hissing. It is also triggering to my anxiety. It's like, well, don't call them guys because they might not be guys. They're <laughs> girls and boys and they thems and non-binaries and all this stuff. Point of personal privilege. Yes. Please do not use gendered language to, to address everyone. 
And it's like, this is how it would go in a society structured to benefit wokeism and political correctness. Everything woke turns to shit, okay? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, it was funnier the second time Kelly, you know you almost don't expect it oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that demonstrates what our society is quickly running towards and uh and at the the core of how this month is being taken over by a political minority that has a very loud voice uh that's what they're pushing for is uh a woke governance right mandating how people can refer to one another uh oh no the building's burning down what do we do everyone hey point of personal privilege don't use gendered language when you tell us the building's burning down because you have not treated my feelings well you know, how dare you uh, <laughs> oh man it, it's just crazy and uh this leads us to why uh, are these agendas being pushed? Well, I mean, part of the partially the reason our society has so degraded is because you know we literally have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in all of our pockets, and uh, the next generation coming up, you know, TikTok, Vine, you know, all these technologies that allowed the quick consumption of pretty much all these heavily pushed agendas. And I'll, I'll say TikTok has been used for sharing very truthful topics but it's also been used for brainwashing people on all this wokeism stuff and and it's not just that but it's just the access that phones give us and so i wanted to share this next funny babylon b video uh which is uh why uh, apple explains why you should get your kid an iphone today let's see this as you all know i am the founder of apple tim apple please clap here at Apple, we believe you should think different. And that's why you need to do what all the other parents are doing and get your kids an iPhone. iPhones aren't just great for turning adults into distracted, irritable drones. They can now ruin children's brains too. Just think of the possibilities. All the worst people in the entire world will now have instant access to your kids 24 seven and there's nothing you can do about it. Haven't had that awkward birds and the bees talk with your kids yet? Now you won't have to, because they'll have access to all kinds of the weirdest pornography at all hours of the day. Hold for applause. When they're as young as seven or eight years old, they'll learn all about sex. And frankly, they'll know more weird sex stuff than you could ever dream of. How does that even work? I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask my kids. Are you worried that your kid won't fit in with all the anxious, depressed, mentally ill kids at school? Now that you've gotten them an iPhone, they are sure to develop at least 17 new mental illnesses within the first month or your money back. That is the Apple guarantee. If you don't get your kid an iPhone, they won't fit in with all the other kids. They might even stay straight, or even worse, cisgender. And worst of all, they might not even become a furry. <laughs> Apple has partnered with social media companies like Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook to ensure that your kid will be 100% brainwashed into woke ideology. 
You won't have to parent your kids anymore because they'll be parented by some blue-haired lady on TikTok. Which, let's be honest, leaves you more time to tune in to the next even woker season of Ted Lasso. Only on Apple TV. It's the right choice. It's the only choice. It's, of course, the mandatory choice. And if you don't get your kids an iPhone, well, let's just say that President Xi won't be too happy with you. <laughs> oh, oh, and man. one more thing. Apple has entered into a groundbreaking relationship with Samsung, Windows, Zune, and Palm, ensuring that no matter if you use iPhone or a lesser device, your kids will be sexually indoctrinated. <laughs> so, I love the Babylon Bee, they're so funny. Wow. It's so interesting how they depicted really reality. I mean, the more people disassociate from raising their kids right and they let the blue-haired activist, you know, school their kids through their phone, no wonder our society is so quickly being drawn towards complete confusion and depravity and those who are, you know, trumpeting in the streets something that they should keep private honestly what people do in the bedrooms when they get freaky you know they don't need to be dancing in the streets about it i mean keep your own sickness to yourself right right um but but what we see here is that uh now they've made a you know what you do in the bedroom something that you wear on your shirt with a badge you know with rainbow flags right to demonstrate your support or your uh, inclusion of sodomy pretty much and it's pretty it's it's pretty alarming how our society has been indoctrinated and it's oftentimes through the media we consume and through the the people we look up to i mean a good example uh, is mr beast right and he is one of the most popular youtubers uh, ever and thousands and millions and millions of, of views and young kids watching and one of the main characters uh his right hand man has come out as a transgendered person and is transitioning from a male to a female despite the fact that he had a wife and a kid now he's transitioning to a, a transgender person and it, yeah it's it's really sad to see but you, you have to imagine the influence that our media has on the people that consume it mindlessly uh, without being aware of some of these uh, deceptions and pushes. So it's something that even hits close to home because I have some family members that uh, kind of went down that path who are, uh, you know, I have one family member, uh, extended family member who was a, a, a transitioning person, just really sad, broken, you know, home and it's uh it's just uh you know it's hard to have a conversation with somebody who their whole identity is about that and they don't really want to talk about anything else other than wokeism and standing up for all these alternative sexual lifestyles it kind of melts their personality away and it's it's really tragic um and so <laughs> here's this next uh interesting video 
of uh, to see the the flip side of Crazy Town of what it would be like for a person who lives within a woke home to come out as a Christian. Check out this video. Dad? What is it, honey? I've got something to tell you, and I'm kind of nervous. Nervous about what? Nervous that you might not accept me anymore or love me for who I am. Oh, sweetheart, don't be silly. Tolerance is my number one virtue signal. You can tell me anything. Okay, well, um... I've been thinking about something a lot, and it's really confusing, and I just, I... What is mom doing? Oh, your mother's just planning for her gender reveal party. But this is her 19th one. I can't wait to find out what I am! I'm always impressed by that woman's self-awareness. So, Dad, what I need to tell you is that I... I think that I'm... a Christian. Oh, honey, don't be silly. No, you're not. Confusion you're having, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. It probably just means you're trans. Yeah, it sounds like you're not binary anymore. You'll grow out of this. You just need to have the courage to be who you really are. Take your time and think about this for a while. I'll call your mother's surgeon and make you an appointment. No, Dad, I, I know who I am. I'm a Christian. This is who I am. I, I'm certain of it. <gasps> God, Dad, you don't need to wear that. Christianity is not contagious. You're dead to me. <laughs> Look at what you're doing to your mother. I stand with Ukraine. <gasps> that woman is making a major difference for the people in Ukraine. I am disowning you. What, disowning me? No, Dad, me having faith doesn't mean that I don't love you anymore. What happened to you being so tolerant? That's not how tolerance works! Good point, dear. Tolerance means you only accept people who agree with everything you think and do. I'm pretty sure that that's the opposite of tolerance. A Christian? You're not gonna start praying, are you? Are you? Mom's right. Brett, prayers are only for the last minute of sporting events. Well, I did pray for both of you this morning. <laughs> Look at what you've done to her. Dad, look, I I love you and Mom so much. And I know it's disappointing to you that I'm a Christian, but I just have to follow my heart. I really think you should rethink this choice. I mean, honestly, I was born this way. I'm sorry, nothing is going to change that. <sighs> I just really wanted you to fit into this family. You know, grow up go to college, get a good indoctrination, maybe find a nice young man and get him pregnant, abort the baby, <laughs> and then find some kind of nice job in rageful activism that pays nothing as you live off the social government that you helped usher in so you can be happy. I will be happy, Dad. Just not doing those things. Faith makes me happy. But look at your mother. She doesn't believe in God and she's the happiest person I know. <laughs> I like how you're using the power of now right now, my love. You look very present in the moment. She's been doing personal development for years. But look, there is no God! Mom, I respect your opinion, but I believe in God. If there was a God, why is he mistakenly giving me the wrong gender 19 times? I mean, Mom, it could be possible that God doesn't make mistakes and that you're just mistaken. I never make mistakes! Sweetheart, settle down. She's still our daughter. 
It's not like she doesn't believe in the climate crisis anymore. You don't believe in the climate crisis? But that's the religion we raised you in. You don't think the globe is warming? The oceans are boiling! Go outside! It's 90 degrees out there! Yeah, it's summertime. Sweetheart, you know your mother thinks summer is just a social construct, but she's right. The globe is warming at an accelerated rate. It's 60 degrees hotter outside than it was just six months ago. It was winter six months ago! Oh, never thought of that. We're all gonna be underwater six years ago like Greta Thunberg said, and it's your fault! Dad, this is who I am. Even if you don't agree with me, can you just love me even though I'm a Christian? Sweetheart... Yes, of course. I mean, even though your mother is taking this very well, it's just a little hard for me to process. But you know I'll always love you no matter what. Thanks, Dad. That means the world to me. Mm. What about you, Mother? Can you still find it in your heart to love me? Don't you ever disrespect me by calling me your mother again! I am your birthing person! <laughs> I need another booster shot. Well, uh, I'm gonna go to church now. Do you want to come with me? No, not for me. Well, I'll see you later, Mom. <laughs> hey, I identify as a cat now. Where are we gonna put my litter box? Meow. Let's go pray for your mother. Meow. I would love to get him on the show. He is so funny. Yeah, Awakening with JP. Yeah, he's got some really great uh, skits. He's very funny. And Brett Cooper, I love her show too. Comment section, she's on Daily Wire. The house that that video depicted is actually becoming more and more common in today's world, as is encouraged by our media. And I think it's uh, you know important to kind of break down the basis of why this ideology uh, what allowed it to come out of the closet, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we have Charles Silverstein, uh, who was uh, renowned for basically the declassification of homosexuality as a mental illness. And uh, uh, just this gentleman who uh, was a, a closeted gay man, and uh, he came out there and, and, and turned something that was shunned by society into something that was trumpeted and celebrated uh increasingly until today where you know starting back in 2011 you know obama had the white house painted rainbow colors um but mental illness uh in a variety of ways is being coddled in today's world and it's very telling how uh, transgenderism and all these things they absolutely are uh, issues with somebody's self-perception that they're trying to hammer into society as a reality when it really is just how somebody views themselves, how somebody views their sexuality and uh, it's sad to see how uh, how accepted some of these topics are at the upper governmental levels and, and that's why it was so interesting to me to share that video regarding the woke credit score that's going out and it's all about money 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 right yep. and so whenever somebody doesn't fall in line whenever they don't push the woke agenda which is a whole carl schwab 
World Health Organization, you know, Bilderberger Group agenda to decrease the population of the Earth by turning everybody gay. I mean, if we're all sodomites, you're not going to have babies, right? <laughs> That's what's the, the significant push for this topic, because why are we listening to the people that are being given awards for world depopulation, right? Like guys like uh, Bill Gates and, and such, you know. Don't forget straight pride, right? It's natural. Mm -hmm. It's worked for thousands of years and you can make babies. Just like we talked about those Bible verses, right? Pride comes before the fall. Over and over and over, the scriptural description of pride is negative, right? You don't want to be prideful, especially when it comes to your sin practices. You don't want to hold that up as a triumph and as an identity. And, uh, Anyways, that's enough uh, on that topic. Uh, did you have any final thoughts on some of those funny videos, Jeremiah? No, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. All right, so moving on to some more pressing conspiratorial news stories. Uh, some very interesting things that I want to bring to your guys' attention. Uh, check out this next video of uh, this could be very bad for America. So it started off with one big Chinese balloon that goes all the way across America. Since Friday, three more balloons have been shot down. Klaus says there's going to be a cyber attack that will be monumental and it will cause a lot of chaos. And everything you guys touch runs off the internet and electricity. And this is how they deliver an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse, over a portion of America to take out all your electronics. We begin this morning with more unidentified objects in the skies over the United States. Yeah, the Pentagon has confirmed that three objects have been shot down in American airspace since Friday. Since Friday. After the military brought down you have a nice weekend. surveillance balloon <laughs> off the coast of South Carolina. The latest object was shot down over Lake Huron yesterday. It was initially spotted over Montana, but made its way across Wisconsin and Michigan. The FAA temporarily restricted planes from flying over Lake Michigan. I'm not kidding, y'all. That's how they do it. So be prepared, stay vigilant. Yeah, so off-grid with Doug and Stacy, uh, they, they seem to call to attention some very important things. And I, I think it is interesting that we had this whole discussion a few months back about the balloons being shot out of the sky. And now three in one weekend. Uh, so what are these things being shot out of the sky? Is it just to test the defenses of United States airspace or whatever it, it's really interesting and worth paying attention to that things like that are happening in the heavens above you right yep. um, here's another very peculiar uh, news story we have here uh, many fires all starting at the exact same time across the this Canadian province um, when you zoom in here uh, just Check out how all of these fires start at the same exact time. Look at this. What a coincidence. Oh, forest fires. Almost looks as if it was a coordinated arson attack, right? To, to set the green ablaze for whatever purpose or reason, I don't know. But after watching this video of all of these fires lighting ablaze almost simultaneously... The alarm bells are ringing when I see this stuff and just how peculiar it looks that all of these fires are starting almost at exactly the same time in all of these different locations. Yep. Have you heard about Somebody the lasers? Here, uh, 
I, I don't know what, what starting it. it. It looks like here somebody says, professional arsonists set these fires. They pick the perfect place plus high winds and pump them with fuel. We lost our home four years ago. It absolutely sucked, but we're in the better place now. Good, uh, good really does come from the bad, but I still hate how our beautiful forests are destroyed. Uh, somebody here said, direct energy weapons so they can propagate the climate change agenda and Agenda 21. And that was what was interesting about the whole Awakening with JP video showed at the end. He was like, okay, it's fine you're Christian, but you're not going to renege on the climate change agenda, right? That, <laughs> And she's like, well, maybe. And he's like, no, you know, like, how could you not believe that, it? you know, the climate's Greta Thunberg told us all this stuff. Well, these fires being set help create news stories that can then help push these agendas that help still more of our freedoms and our liberties. And uh, it's just crazy when you look at it. And, and this, of course, ties in with this next video, uh, which is one of these figures that has pushed some of these NWO type agendas and uh, it's George Soros. So check out this next video, which breaks down the world order of George Soros. For many around the world, George Soros is a special kind of evil. Wants these cities to fall apart. He, he wants crime to flourish. It's, yeah. it's almost like he's an evil person in a Batman movie. All over the globe, the name George Soros is treated with disgust and derision. Soros, after all, made his fortune by breaking the Bank of England, and he didn't stop there. Many others blame Soros for crashing the Southeast economy through the same ruthless currency speculation. Soros is rightly considered a very sordid character all around the globe. But what precisely does George Soros believe? And what is he trying to do around the world? Well, that is what we together are going to find out. Back in 1993, the billionaire financier George Soros self-published a paper where he outlined his vision for a new world order originally envisioned by George Herbert Walker Bush. For future generations, a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. For Soros, the new world order was faltering because it was failing to effectively integrate Russia and its former satellites in Eastern Europe into the liberal West, posing a risk to the so-called rules-based international order. Soros early on recognized that the world order after the Soviet Union was indeed breaking up, is returning to nation, culture, custom, tradition, and he hated that. Soros pointed to the dangers of this encroaching nationalism by citing the war in the Balkans. Soros believed that the tribalist conflicts in the former Yugoslavia could end up engulfing the world. The solution for Soros was the promotion and triumph of what he called open societies, a concept originally proposed and popularized by Karl Popper in his classic work, The Open Society and Its Enemies. According to Popper, open societies are rational societies rooted in science and reason, whereas closed societies are inherently irrational, rooted in tradition and tribalism. Open societies 
guarantee and protect rational exchange centered on the individual, whereas closed societies force people to submit to authorities and age-old traditions, religious, political, and economic. Soros believed that the triumph of liberal open societies throughout the world represented a truly new world order that transcends both the Cold War era as well as the growing nationalist trends around the world. However, for Soros, there was a twofold problem to realizing such a world order. On the one hand, Soros did not want the United States to become the world's policeman. Soros saw the United States' sole superpower status as a threat to international peace and prosperity. However, on the other hand, the United Nations was too powerless and ineffectual to provide a counterbalance or global alternative to the United States. Was there an institution that could be co-opted and redirected in such a way so as to usher in the open society world order that Soros became obsessed with? As it turns out, there was. The solution to this dilemma for an emerging new world order was none other than NATO, but not NATO as it was. A new NATO, a reformed or better co-opted NATO. For Soros, quote, NATO is the only institution of collective security that has not failed because it has not been tried. NATO has the potential of serving as the basis of a new world order in that part of the world which is most in need of order and stability. But it can do so only if its mission is redefined. Now that part of the world which is most in need of order and stability was precisely the post-Soviet world. Soros recognized that Russia had no intention of allowing NATO to expand eastward, brushing up against its borders, but Soros ascribed that to nothing more than, quote, wounded pride of a once but no longer great power. While Soros did not rule out the potential for an alliance between Russia and the West, he insisted that Russia must adopt a liberal Western model of society and governance. And the principal institution that would promote and indeed impose such a liberal model of society and governance was a new NATO, a NATO that was no longer an anti-Soviet alliance, but now the chief propagator and defender of Western liberal values throughout the globe. Soros was in fact not adverse to using military force if necessary to compel post-Soviet states to adopt liberal principles. Putting the matter succinctly, as far as NATO spread its influence, liberal values and open societies would inevitably follow. Soros's influence over the liberal world order simply can't be exaggerated. Between 1990 and today, NATO went from 17 member nations to 30, nearly doubling in the span of 30 years, but not without significant warning. A number of academics such as John Mearsheimer, the University of Chicago, George Kennan of Harvard, even Henry Kissinger recognized that brazen NATO eastward expansion was denounced and opposed by every single head of Russia, and that such eastward expansion would inevitably lead to open conflict with the Russian Federation. Now, while it would certainly be a stretch to blame Soros for the current conflict in Ukraine, his worldview certainly contributed to the conditions that made such a conflict inevitable. Moreover, while most would agree that Soros' defining intellectual principle is cosmopolitan internationalism, the notion that the world should constitute a single global community that transcends nationalisms, tribalisms, and sovereign states, many fail to recognize that one of, if not the most galvanizing factor for this, is the role that apocalyptic environmentalism plays in Soros' worldview. 
Soros sees the planet as basically expiring, and only by galvanizing the world's populations into a fully cooperative global community can we hope to overcome this ecological challenge. And this is where Soros' worldview takes a rather sinister turn. If, according to him, what's at stake is the very survival of our planet, then populations simply cannot be allowed to choose the wrong leaders to represent them. If they do, Soros galvanizes his web of billion-dollar NGOs that in turn actively interfere into the politics of sovereign nations across the planet, precisely to overturn and undo the democratically expressed will of voters. Soros, when all is said and done, can claim he's a Democrat until he's blue in the face. It doesn't change the fact that he's doing everything he possibly can to orchestrate world events irrespective of voter will and intention. In the end, because of his environmental apocalypticism, all his rhetoric about open societies and democracy and human rights is all for naught. The only legitimate governments are governments that go along with Soros' vision for the planet and the world order that he believes will preserve it. No other form of government, no matter how democratically expressed, will do. Unfortunately for Soros, the world is more and more moving in a very, very different direction. A new world order is indeed rising, but not the one that Soros had in mind. Increasingly, it's a world marked by an extraordinary return to nation, culture, custom and tradition and civilization. The liberal vision of Soros is being rejected increasingly by more and more populations who are rising up, fighting back and restoring their national and civilizational sovereignty. For now, Soros will have to be content as a billionaire sitting in his penthouse, watching the world pass him by. When we talk about the woke agenda, we can definitely trace it back to a few individuals, uh, but one particular is George Soros. Uh, I find it interesting, the conversation of how the West wanted to push their woke ideology in Ukraine. When Russia invaded Ukraine, they explained one of the reasons that they had to step in is because the West was pushing anti-family wokeism in Ukraine. And it's a tragic thing to hear that just recently in Ukraine, they passed more rights for the, the transgender and LGBTQ community so that we can really encourage our young men that are dying and being massacred on the battlefield that they are martyrs for wokeism everybody applaud they're 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 making it so guys can marry guys woohoo yay and and then on the the russian side it's like we're fighting for god almighty you know <laughs> like uh like how demoralizing uh just that they're going to their deaths just so you know sodomites can get freaky yeah. um but with that said, you know, we can trace back the wokeism to guys like George Soros because it pushes their new world order agenda. And not only that, but there is the genetic tampering aspect of uh, not only the, the new medical establishment and some of the experiments that have happened over the past few years. But here's a interesting clip of uh, Joe Rogan discussing China's CRISPR babies, and this is, goes right along with some of the transhumanism topic that your dad talked about for many years here, Mike. So let's check out this next video. 
Yeah. Do you know the Chinese story? No. Oh, this is a good one. CRISPR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what CRISPR is? No. CRISPR is genetic uh, engineering. They we're trying to see if it could be used to eliminate genes that cause certain diseases. Yeah. Right? And so, <laughs> this is what they did in China. They uh, they said they were inoculating these children for HIV. So Ooh. now they can't get... But it just, uh, by happenstance, made them much smarter. Right. It, it increased their IQ substantially. Interesting. And, and I think they put the doctor in jail after it was over. Amazing. The Chinese were like, we didn't have anything to do with that. This right. man's a criminal. Right. Let's see if that's the, the case. Okay, so. now new research shows the same alteration introduced into the girl's DNA. Detection of a gene called CCR5 not only makes mice smarter, but also improves human brain recovery after stroke and could be linked to greater success at school. Okay, duh. One of the very standout words that Rogan used there was, how did they introduce this CRISPR technology to these children in China? They inoculated them. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, just remember what's being pushed on our society today. Be careful when introducing new foods to your baby. Only one at a time with three days in between. But I'll inject him with... Eight different viruses plus a boatload of toxins today. No worries. You know, like, uh, I mean, this is our medical society today that we're quickly moving towards genetically modified humans in a variety of ways, whether you're participating and you're welcoming it or it's being done to you and you're not even aware. Uh, the technology is here and you can see it was being played out there in China. So, uh, on another very interesting conspiratorial kick here and some breaking news. Remember last week I was predicting that the reason Logan Paul was coming out claiming he had some of the best UFO footage ever, but of course from his own mouth he was like, eh, it wasn't that convincing, was because he is very good at sniffing out viral topics. Well, guess what just hit the interwebs in the news circuit just these past few days? So apparently, the U.S. government has in their possession a alien spacecraft, and a whistleblower just stepped on to the mainstream news circuit. So check out this next video, and then we'll look into this topic of alien UFO disclosure. All right, let's go to the next part here, UFOs. I've been dying to get into this one ever since the story came out yesterday. I want to really spend some time and go through this thing to help people understand. So uh, guys, let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. Um, I'm going to break down, I think, the most relevant and the most important parts. The headline here is the intelligence officials say that the U.S. has retrieved craft of non-human origin. Now, first of all, that is a massive headline, but I also want to draw everyone's attention to the byline here, Leslie Keen and Ralph Blumenthal. Now, for those who are not as uh, initiated as I am, one of the reasons why these two journalists are absolutely unimpeachable on this topic is that they were the ones who brought the world the 2017 New York Times article that actually revealed the existence of the UFO program inside of the Pentagon and of course gave us those videos which are now you know so many Americans have seen the go fast video the tic tac video and others and they really opened up the space for respectability and acknowledgement by Pentagon officials and others that this is a real phenomenon. And really, they ignited the congressional interest enough to try and get some information about the program. Okay, so that's kind of the starting point. 
the headline, and also who these reporters are. And let's get into the content. So here is what they are saying, is that a former U.S. intelligence official who is now turned whistleblower under the official whistleblower uh, process is giving Congress and the intelligence community, Inspector General, extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possesses retrieve intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. This information, he says, has been illegally withheld from Congress, and he has now filed a complaint through the program alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for the confidential disclosures reported here in the debrief. This whistleblower, David Grush, 36 years old, a decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan. He's a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the National Reconnaissance Office. He apparently was one of the people who would help compile the presidential daily brief. As I understand, he was given over seven hours of interviews um, to Newsmax, which are airing recently about the documentary um, that has been uh, working with some great UFO researchers who have been long in this topic. Here is what is very important. David Grush says that the recoveries of partial fragments of craft through and up to fully intact vehicles have been made for decades through the present day by the government, its allies, and defense contractors. Furthermore, he has told Congress in sworn testimony of the existence of decades-long, quote, publicly unknown Cold War for recovered and exploited physical material competition with near-peer adversary over years to identify UFO crashes and landings and retrieve the material for exploitation and reverse engineering to garner asymmetric national defense advantages. Here's the other thing I think everyone needs to understand. David Grush not only is a patriot, not only is somebody who was tasked actually with assignment to the UFO program to go and to discover all of these secret programs, which he then says were illegally withheld from Congress, which is why he's coming out. That's how he got his hands really on some of these files and became known to the existence of these secret compartmentalized black, off, uh, black, highly secret black programs as they are known. But Crystal, he is testifying to all of this under oath. He has signed under penalty of perjury that he is telling the truth, not only to Congress, but to all of us through this official whistleblower process. And he has felt so strongly about bringing this information to light that he has actually left the government simply so he can bring the all of the U.S. public this information. Not only that, not only that, but what I think people really need to understand is that not only is this being done through the official whistleblower process, but that the actual inspector general, the intelligence inspector general to whom he submitted his complaint in July of 2022, found his complaint, quote, credible and urgent in an official U.S. government document. So this is not a crank. This is somebody who was attached to the program, had knowledge of the program. He was actually tasked with going and discovering all of these secret compartmentalized ones, delivering the reports to his uh, authorities who would then go and give them to Congress. He's coming forward because he says that they have been illegally withheld, the existence of these programs, actually from Congress. He submitted these documents through the internal process. The inspector general of the U.S. intelligence community itself finds David Grush both credible and urgent. And, I mean, the allegation here is the most stunning allegation of all. The existence of craft in the possession of the United States government, of other foreign governments, of craft of and parts of craft of non-human origin. Um, I listened to um, a breakdown of 
seven hours of the interviews that he gave. Apparently, he's also referred to, quote, in the plurality, non-human intelligences, non-human intelligences, in terms of the types of craft that are uh, are within the possession of the government. And finally, you know, the last thing I'll say before I shut up and get your reaction is, this implicates massive crimes across the U.S. government. First and foremost, the current head of the UFO task force just told Congress there is no existence of craft or program that we know of. This says that he's a liar. He actually perjured himself before Congress. Second, and then uh, the second, which is so important also to understand is, Crush is saying that there has been a decades-long crime and also even collusion between the U.S. government and aerospace defense companies outside of normal processes to cover this up from the U.S. public, from presidents, from Congress, and now basically, you know, for years and years. And from what I understand, he's alleging crimes of such tremendous, like, weight that many of the people, if they're even still alive or, you know, if, if this ever does fully come to light, they would go to jail uh, if if the actual accountability happens in this process. So, I mean, look, in, in some ways, it's the most important story in the world. Like, this guy is one of the most credible people probably in the UFO world to come forward since David Fravor in the 2017 article and is literally saying that the, the government has the possession of alien or, you know, non-human spacecraft it's incredible the biggest story in the world well just here at first right last week we called that the ufo topic would be making big headlines in coming weeks right just based on my assumption that logan paul knows how to ride waves and he was publishing he was having his whole ufo video topic circulating and that kind of gave me a forewarning that something was coming and something big was coming. And guess what? This story drops. And on this topic of UFO secret technology that's been hidden by the government, uh, one of the most prolific and well-known people who supposedly interacted with this technology and has been trumpeting it for years that the government has access to this type of stuff is a guy named Bob Lazar. Mm -hmm. And so check out this first little Bob Lazar breakdown, and then we'll watch some of the things that he has to say about these UFOs that the government has in their possession. A lot of weird stuff about Bob Lazar's story. The one that sticks in my mind is that it's been consistent. His story's been absolutely consistent since the late 1980s. Now that's yeah. possible to develop a narrative. You could just like craft the longest con the world has ever known and make no money from it and turn your life upside down and have the feds search your property, which they did. Doesn't make a lot of sense. They thought that he really was in possession of Element 115 and that there really is uh, a stable version of this element that we discovered in a particle collider but that wasn't until like the the 2000s but this element he said was stable wherever these beings are from and they use it to propel their craft bypassing normal propulsion systems with some insanely sophisticated method where they can pick points in space and they essentially just instantaneously traverse these points in space very interesting so let's actually watch some of the clips from his interview he had and what bob lazar claims about some of this technology that is now apparently public news 
that it is being uh, whistleblown and hidden from the government. And now Congress needs to be made aware of the biggest breaking news story in the world, uh, according to breaking points. Right. Uh, and how it is interesting that all of this is coming to the forefront. Uh, what's the agenda? I don't know, but check out some of the things he has to say about the UFO. Now, I'm not in, believe it or not, I'm not into UFOs. I don't follow stories or, you know. Even listen. after your experiences? No, I'm fascinated with the technology. And I, I, it really, it irks me like every night I go to sleep that, you know, I don't, that it was my own doing, essentially, that, that prevented me from continuing on in the in the project. I mean, it's the that to be on that cutting edge of technology is so alluring to me. Right. But you know, by the same token, I don't really care that there's aliens or where they come from. I mean, the prize is the technology, and that's what I'm fascinated by. But so I don't listen to UFO stories and that sort of thing. But George Knapp is, um, I mean, he's the guy that has the contacts and tries to thread everything together. And uh, what he recently told me is he found. I don't know, it was either documentation or people that he spoke to. It's at this, the existence of this project, the project that I was on. It's something that they seem to take out every eight or ten years. So that's a very specific memo, and this is actually, I, this is the first time I'll be very clear with people about it. It's a big topic of conversation right now. It's called the Wilson Memo. You can look it up. Admiral Wilson met with a scientist who's actually was featured in one of my films. Everybody has been debating whether or not this document of a conversation with a with an sitting admiral at the time is a real document. It, it's an actual conversation that happened, and this document is real. Everybody wants to know the world is going crazy right now in the UFO world. I'll tell you straight up right now, I'm in the position to know, and it is a real document. That it is real. So the conversation you read in that, that conversation was had. I can't attest to every. I don't. But you're not being very clear. Sure. Please. Like, no problem. So there was a document that is circulating right now that is really big. It's going around everywhere. People are asking. And what is this document? It's called the Wilson Memo is what, how you can find it online. The, or the Wilson Leak. There it is. Jimmy's got it. The Wilson Memorandum. Use uh, of human volunteers. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Yeah. no that's oh, not okay, it. Okay, yeah. okay. So uh, Admiral Wilson meets with this scientist and they have this discussion, oddly enough, at special projects at EG&G. &G. And I, if I remember, the document is from 2001. I'm telling everybody right now, it's real. And we'll see, my history is pretty good with like saying if something's real or not, right? So here we go. The document comes out. They meet at EG&G Special Projects. In 1989, they, they stumble into a problem. This happens. They put the technology away, and then they bring it back out and see if material science has caught up and if they can make any progress. So this document kind of talks about this process. The big thing I get from it, and a lot of it's vindicating to Bob, and one of the things it's vindicating besides the EG&G thing, is that private industry, so this guy's an admiral, and he says, I, sh I found out about your SAP, your Special Access Program. I need to know about it. And he's going to a, a, a private part of industry, and he is denied access. And he says, I, you know, I should be running this program. And they were able to deny him access. So I think the takeaway here is, check it out. I'm telling you that that is an actual correct, that is a leak. Now, everything said in that document, I, I don't know. What are you talking about? What, what is said in that document specifically? It's, it's a, between a scientist and, and an admiral that are sitting and they're having a, a meeting and they're talking about um, the, the search for the, the UFO subject, the search to get special access program access to all of these different things like reverse engineering programs. So in this document, they talk about it. Uh, I believe that the, this document, the, the person that went was employed by Robert Bigelow, you know, one of the guys that has a couple of yes. orbiting satellites and all that stuff. Who's He's been, the guy who owns Skinwalker Ranch. No, he's not. No? He was the guy that owned Skinwalker. Okay. Yeah, he used to own it. There's a new owner, and I, I interviewed him for my other film, but there's a new owner, and you'll be hearing a lot more about that soon. 
but uh, like it'll just there's there's stuff that you'll be hearing about Skinwalker Ranch soon because there's a new owner. Anyway, the the whole point of this in, you know insertion here is just that that document kind of validates a lot of this idea Bob just said that they make a little progress, then they can't go anywhere. They tuck it away, and then they bring it back out you know ten years later and start working on it. What is the limiting factor? I think Bob should speak on this, but it's the material science. You yeah, know, it's really where physics is. So I, I can I can see them doing that. I mean, I didn't have any. Uh, information on that but I think what you know George uncovered is probably accurate that uh, you know we try and do what we can and once we reach a roadblock on we really can't figure it out it's just friggin wait put the thing away wait for science to catch up and you know a decade later let's take the project out again and see all right now where can we go but, but there's got to be someone who remains informed, right? Oh, like, yeah. So you've got your scientists like you and Barry. you got your people that you compartmentalize. you got these people working on Yeah, there project. has to be some people right. that know everything. You've got security, and then someone's going to be on the outside saying, hey, we need people to guard this building. Don't let anybody in for 10 years. I, th yeah, I think a lot of that is private industry, and I think that's how really? they keep it. Yeah, I think that's how they literally – because the government is just so leaky. I think that's kind of what they're doing. That's what the document kind of proves. You just articulated that, that um, it is in control of private industry. What private industry? Some aerospace company, something? I don't know. Yeah, they wouldn't, they would, the, guy, the admiral wouldn't name it in the car, right. in the conversation. Right. Yeah. So they still have these things, supposedly. I would guess. I mean, I don't have any information on have that. Have you at all. ever asked anyone that has any inkling of any idea of where they got them or how they got them? No, but um, something must have been said to me um, from Barry, and but I, I it was just too long ago, and I I can't quite remember what was said, but it it just left a seed in my mind. I think at least one of them was part of an archaeological dig. So, it's old. Something one at least one of them is old. I don't know if it was the one I worked on, but I remember something to do with an archaeological dig. Whoa! So that's uh, that means it's not just old; it's ancient. That'd be a great Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> as all of it would. Yeah, yeah that tripped me out when he said that for the first time. Yeah, that's a freak out right yeah. there. Just a couple of dudes with some brushes looking for a Tyrannosaurus Rex bone. They and, hit metal. And when did they find it? You know that that they have nine of them. Yeah. Well, and. How could we have not heard about that? What about the guys with the brushes? How could yeah. you uncover something like that? And well, Joe's newspaper at home does. I mean, they said it on that first day. Oh, you mean the Roswell yeah, Daily Yeah, record? yeah, the one you yeah. told me. Yeah. yeah, I have a cover. What is this? Here, Jamie. This is the document, but I, I had to do some digging to find it. Yes, it's just kind of, yeah, so this is where they meet at eg and This is Admiral Wilson, and there's a lot more coming out. Now, I want to be clear. George didn't put this out. He didn't leak this out to anybody. This is... I can tell you how I recorded this this conversation. So this was an employee of at the time Robert Bigelow, and this is in 2002, right? Do you remember when he had that government contract called OSAP? The world all knows about now, and he had NIDS that studied the ranch. So that 22 million, everybody is saying it was for ATIP, um, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. The 22 million dollars was for OSAP that was pushed through through Congress, three congressmen, right? An astronaut. It was pushed through. And that's what that $22 million, by the way, they spend more money on Viagra every year than they do studying UFOs, if it was just this program, which I think is funny. They probably make military. a lot more money from Viagra they than probably they do, do from UFOs, too. Well, you never know how it seeds into population. But anyway, uh, this program, uh, this is what was the mother program. So it, it got the $22 million, And really, it was to study Skinwalker Ranch. Oddly enough, that $22 million all was inspired by the phenomenon they were seeing at Skinwalker Ranch. Because the scientists, they're seeing vehicles come through like a space in the sky. Yeah, we went there. I went there right. with Duncan. Yeah, we, we interviewed a bunch of people that seemed full of shit, but a couple that didn't. But it was very, very interesting. Totally. And it, it, there's, but if you look, I spent a lot of time in the area. I'm not talking about those stories. I'm saying there were scientists hired by the government, right, through Bigelow to study the ranch because they thought it was important. And, you know, whatever, whatever. 
the point is that 22 million was to study that. Then we have ATIP, which is like an auxiliary kind of program of military settings, like Commander Fravers and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. This document is just one of those things that has now come forward that um, through the Bigelow studies, it was government funded, and then it was personally funded and then government funded. Um, it's just one of those things that kind of shakes you because you got this military guy who can't get access because of the private industry that's holding these non-terrestrial materials, that they can't study it. So that's the, the claim right now. Give it some time, let people dig more into this. It's fascinating, man. All right, and, and it's just, just like you said, it is fascinating, really it is. And just like Bob Lazar, I guess, uh, was vindicated, you don't always have to tell your side of the story, time will tell. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a big deal uh, if alien disclosure is getting closer and closer. Just imagine some of the agendas that will be pushed along with the big interaction between alien kind and mankind, right? So yep. that's all the news I have for this week, Jeremiah. All right. Thanks, Jake, for another great current news as always. And now here's a quick promo from my mom's book, The Protocol That Kills. Did you know that a government-incentivized hospital protocol has led to the deaths of untold numbers of unsuspecting people? The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons noted, We now see government-dictated medical care at its worst in our history, since the federal government mandated these ineffective and dangerous treatments, and then created financial incentives for hospitals and doctors to use only those approved and paid-for approaches. The book. The Protocol That Kills exposes the lethal regimen adopted by hospitals to maximize profits at the expense of patients' lives. This exhaustive expose provides a first-hand account of the protocol in action as it was invoked on an otherwise strong and healthy 52-year-old Rob Skiba, who was diagnosed with a viral infection by the admitting hospital. Within 40 days, this valiant Army veteran who had sworn to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, had fallen at the hands of a government-incentivized domestic enemy. This over 400-page true crime story uncovers every aspect of this lethal protocol in action, despite the protests of Rob Skiba and his wife. It includes disheartening text messages from Rob who was locked away from his wife because she was forbidden to enter the hospital in the name of the protocol. Lawfully recorded detailed conversations his wife had with doctors, therapists, nurses, and hospital staff. Numerous pages extracted from the over 5,000 page hospital record that exposed the protocol that led to his tragic death. The testimony of a medical expert who provided his detailed analysis of the case invaluable and timely insights of a legal counsel who provides the story behind the story by providing crucial details and evidence along with over 100 citations from clinical studies, medical journals, federal regulations, and relevant books and articles that prove Rob did not die of natural causes but due to the perpetrator's insistence that he follow the mandated and inhumane protocol that kills. As Richard Bartlett, MD says, this book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. The purpose of this book is to sound an alarm of a clear and present danger, as this lethal protocol is still being used against patients in hospitals all across America, 
and to provide you with essential insights that can help save your life or the life of someone you love. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Get a copy today at theprotocolthatkills.com. So in my opinion, uh, a true crime story is an understatement. It's so much more. So if you want to find out what truly happened to my dad, get yourself a copy of my mom's book, The Protocol That Kills. I'll leave the links down in the description. And uh, it's about that time for an all-new Opa's Corner. Take it away, Opa. The following presentation may contain too many cat jokes. Viewer discretion is advised. This presentation is rated CJ cat jokes. Parental guidance suggested. My hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken. It's story time at Opa's Corner, so let's get started. It's a nice day at the university where members of the teaching staff, a physician, a law professor, a political science professor, a chemist, and a statistician walked into an office to discover the trash can is on fire. The political science professor says, Don't worry, I'll take care of everything, and proceeds to exit the room. The physicist announced, We must put the garbage can in the fridge so that the temperature will be below the ignition temperature and therefore put itself out. The chemist replies, no, no, no. We must cover the garbage can so that the fire consumes all of the oxygen and in the absence of reactants can no longer continue. The law professor declares, Please stop blaming the victim. You have yet to prove the can is indeed on fire. Meanwhile, the three turn around to find that the statistician is running around the room setting everything else on fire. What the heck are you doing? They screamed at him. Getting the proper sample size. <laughs> a stingy old lawyer who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness was determined to prove wrong the old saying, you can't take it with you. After much thought and consideration, the old ambulance chaser finally figured out how to take at least some of his money with him when he died. He instructed his wife to go to the bank and withdraw enough money to fill two pillowcases. He then directed her to take the bags of money to the attic and leave them directly above his bed. His plan? When he passed away, he would reach out and grab the bags on his way to heaven. Several weeks after the funeral, the deceased lawyer's wife was up in the attic cleaning. 
she came upon the two forgotten pillowcases stuffed with cash. Oh, that fool, she explained. I knew he should have had me put the money in the basement. <laughs> a couple arrived at town hall seconds before closing time and caught a judge just as he was about to leave and asked him to marry them. He asked if they had a license, and when they said they didn't, he sent them off to get one. They caught the town clerk just as he was locking up and got the license from him. When they got back to the judge, he pointed out that they had filled the names in wrong, with his where hers belongs and vice versa. They rushed back to the clerk's office, caught him again, and got another license. This time, the judge noticed that the clerk had filled in the date in the wrong format. Again, they caught the clerk, and after five reissued licenses, the judge was finally satisfied. The judge said, I hope you appreciate why I made you keep going back. If there are irregularities in the license, your marriage would not be legal, and any children you might have would be, putting it delicately, technical bastards. The groom replied, That's funny. That's just what the clerk called you. <laughs> A blonde stormed up to the front desk of the library, screaming, I have a complaint! How can I help you? The librarian said, looking up at her. I borrowed a book last week and it was horrible! Puzzled by her complaint, the librarian asked, What was wrong with it? It had way too many characters and there was no plot, said the blonde. Ah, nodded the librarian. So you're the person who took our phone book. <laughs> Two factory workers are talking. The woman says, I can make the boss give me the day off. The man replies, And how would you do that? Just wait and see. She then hangs herself upside down from the ceiling. The boss comes in and says, What are you doing? I'm a light bulb. Oh, you've been working so much that you've gone crazy. I think you need to take the day off. The man starts to follow her and the boss says, Where are you going? I'm going home too. I can't work in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> a senator is visiting a primary school. In one class, he asks the students if anyone can give him an example of a tragedy. One little boy stands up and offers that, If my best friend who lives next door is playing in the street when a car came by and killed him, that would be a tragedy. No, says the senator. That would be an accident. A girl raises her hand. 
If a school bus is carrying 50 children drove off a cliff, killing everyone inside, that would be a tragedy. I'm afraid not, explains the senator. That is what we would call a great loss. The room is silent. None of the other children dares volunteer. What? asks the senator. Isn't there anyone here who can give me an example of a tragedy? Finally, little Johnny in the back raises his hand. In a timid voice, he says, If an airplane carrying a senator was blown up by a bomb, that would be a tragedy. Marvelous, the senator beams. And can you tell me why that would be a tragedy? Well, says little Johnny, because it wouldn't be an accident, and it certainly would be no great loss. (laughs) I told my wife that I would be home by midnight. I promise. Well, the hours passed, and the beers went down way too easy. Around 3 a.m., a bit loaded, I headed for home. Just as I got in the door, the cuckoo clock in the hallway started up and cuckooed three times. Quickly realizing my wife would probably wake up, I cuckooed another nine times. I was really proud of myself coming up with such a quick-witted solution in order to escape the possible conflict with her. Even when totally smashed, three cuckoos plus nine cuckoos totals twelve cuckoos midnight. The next morning, my wife asked me what time I got in. I told her midnight. She didn't seem pissed in the least. Oh, I got away with one. And then she said, We need to get a new cuckoo clock. When I asked her why, she said, Well, last night our clock cuckooed three times and then said, Oh, shit. Cuckooed four more times, cleared its throat, and another three times, giggled, cuckooed twice more, and then tripped over the coffee table and farted. (laughs) A redneck love poem. Susie Lee done fell in love. She planned to marry Joe. She was so happy about it all, she told her pappy so. Pappy told her, Susie gal, you'll have to find another. I just as soon y'all ma don't know, but Joe is your half-brother. <laughs> so Susie put aside her Joe and planned to marry Will. But after telling Pappy this, he said, There's trouble still. You can't marry Will, my gal, and please don't tell your mother. But Will and Joe and several more I know is your half-brother. But Mama knew and said, My child, just do what makes you happy. Marry Will or marry Joe. You ain't no kin to Pappy. <laughs> and now for the funnies. <laughs>
the skies with diamonds. <laughs> Puppy chow, homework, and slippers flavored. <laughs> Sitting on my human name dead, watching the clock till I get fed. Sitting on my human name dead, wasting time. <laughs> I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. It's Jim, darn it. <laughs> so, these three little mice are blind and the farmer's wife comes along and cuts off their tails with a carving knife? Who writes this stuff? Stephen King? <laughs> The length of surgery depends on whether Nurse Stephen resists the urge to knock tools off the tray. I will do my best. <laughs> Sorry, mister, but this is what we do to cattle wrestlers in these parts. <gasps> How does chess work? We just push each piece off the board one at a time and watch them fall. <laughs> yep. Your call is important to us. Please stay on the line until your call is no longer important to you. <laughs> Dogs Afraid of Cats support group. I have nightmares about fluffy tails and claws in my face. Me too. I'm going to tell her that's my bed and she shouldn't be sleeping in it. You've been saying that for a month, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, go to your desks. Cubby time is over! <laughs> My cats are probably currently doing that. <laughs> Feline Fear Factor. Your final challenge is to eat an entire can of store brand cat food. <laughs> the itsy bitsy spider climbs up the kitchen wall bad at the spider till you make it fall stare at the spider it's just lying there sniff it walk away then scratch the leather chair Well, the reason that I never eat insects or rodents is because, well, you were adopted. <laughs> I go in, 
And when I come out, I'm at the vet. Then I go back in, and when I come out, I'm home. Could it be a wormhole? <laughs> beam me down. Now, beam me up. <laughs> now, beam me down again. <laughs> Come on, I was starving, and I said I was sorry. How did Noah do that? Sit. Good boy. Down. Good boy. Stand up. I met this guy on the street and he said he hadn't had a bite in three days. So I bit him. <laughs> but seriously, folks. Why would anyone want to vacation in a giant litter box? <laughs> he walked upstairs, looked down the hall, and saw his human holding a tiny cat-sized Halloween costume. Arrgh! <laughs> Say, look what they're doing. <laughs> Did you know that when a cat wags its tail, it means something completely different? <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, a bottle. You have no new messages. <laughs> A flowchart for cats. Do you want the thing to fall on the floor? No. You sure? Yes. Eat it or take a nap. Mm, you sure? Okay, I want it on the floor. Nudge it. Do you want the thing to fall on the floor? Yes. Nudge it. Is it on the floor? No. Nudge it. Is it on the floor? No. Nudge it. Is it on the floor? No. Nudge it. Is it on the floor? Yes. Admire your work. <laughs> <laughs> it says we've packed four for you to enjoy and one to drop on your human's pillow <laughs> oh this is so worth the money mouse of the month club <laughs> Saturday morning in the garden. Peaches! I got nice fresh peaches! Yo, get your apricots right here! 
Apples, 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 you want them, I got them. <laughs> now we're going to test your hearing. Is someone opening a can down the hall? And your hearing's fine. <laughs> Duck, 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 duck. He's gonna pick me. I know he's gonna pick me. They always pick me. <laughs> Today is the day I kill the red dot. <laughs> and that concludes Opa's Corner for this week. Der hat drei Ecken, drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Opa, for another great Opus Corner. I almost peed my pants a couple times because they were so funny. So, deserves an applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's calm down. Calm down. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, we're getting a little better. All right, now a word from our friend JJ. Are you tired of living in constant pain? Do you feel like you've tried every CBD product on the market with no relief? Look no further than JJ's Natural CBD Rub. When I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease, this was the only product that completely took my pain away. Working with JJ has been a dream come true, and his products have completely changed my life. Don't just take my word for it. Visit JJ's website, jjcbdrub.com and read hundreds of testimonials from people whose lives have been changed by all of JJ's amazing products. And now, as a Skiba News Nation exclusive, you can get $50 off a three-pack special of JJ's Natural CBD Rub by texting CBD to 920-382-7720. Don't suffer in silence any longer. Take control of your pain today with JJ's Natural CBD Rub. Again, text CBD to 920 382-7720 for an exclusive discount and start feeling the relief you deserve. The links are in the description below. Thank you, JJ. And now it's time for some history. So today for history, we're going to be talking about the life and suspicious death of Dorothy Kilgallen. Can we pull up that picture? There she is. Um, Dorothy Kilgallen was an American columnist, journalist, and television game show panelist. In the 1950s, she became a regular on the television show What's My Line, continuing the role until her very suspicious death, November 8, 1965, at the age of 52. Jake, have you ever heard of Dorothy Kilgallen? I'm not familiar at all. See, and I, I wouldn't know who she is either unless Opa taught me, he showed me the show called What's My Line, and it was probably one of the best shows that was 
like game shows that were ever created. I mean, so many legends were on that show and and that's how I know who she is, but I want to give you guys a little backstory of who Dorothy Kilgallen was and why she died so suspiciously and my opinions of it. So let's play this first clip, which is a background. Dorothy began harboring suspicions that the so-called open and shut case against Lee Harvey Oswald was not so open and shut. She looked at the one person that she could investigate and where she would find the truth and who was that, it was Jack Ruby. She told me she was going to get a gun because her life was being threatened. She said if the wrong people knew what I know, it cost me my life. Dorothy May Kilgallen was born on July 3rd, 1913 to James and May Kilgallen in Chicago, Illinois. Her father, James, was a newspaper reporter. In 1920, he took a job with the International News Service in New York City. The family settled in Brooklyn, where Dorothy Kilgallen attended Erasmus Hall High School, graduating in 1932. She then studied at the College of New Rochelle. After a year, she dropped out to take a job as a reporter at the New York Evening Journal. The newspaper was owned by the Hearst Corporation, who was also the parent company to her father's employer. Dorothy Kilgallen wasted no time making a name for herself in the news business. Her first big break was her participation in a race around the world in 38 days. And in each of those days, Dorothy had, a, had her picture. She was in the headlines. So when Dorothy came back, Dorothy was famous. She developed her own style and forcefully went into this man's world. Her main reportage was uh, crime and heavy, heavy-duty investigation. In 1938, Dorothy got her own byline, but instead of the crime beat, Kilgallen covered Broadway for the Journal American. Then they gave her this column, which started out locally and then became nationwide, and called The Voice of Broadway. Mainly it dealt with theatrical people in New York. In 1940, Kilgallen married Broadway actor Richard Colmar and would go on to have three children, Richard Jr., Jill, and Carrie. The couple soon broke into radio, hosting their own morning talk show called Breakfast with Dorothy and Dick. They were the original Mr. and Mrs. radio show, and they broadcast from their house in their night clothes. In 1950, Dorothy Kilgallen became a regular panelist on the TV game show, What's My Line? The show was a massive success and made her a household name. What's my line? Despite her television success, Kilgallen maintained focus on her career in the newspaper business. Her columns and radio broadcasts were known for mixing entertainment with serious issues. In 1954, Kilgallen got the chance to cover a high-profile criminal trial. The first case that she covered seriously for which she continues to be known is the, the Sam Shepard murder case in Ohio in 1954. She put everything on hold and went to Cleveland to, to cover the, the, the trial. Dr. Sam Shepard was tried for the gruesome stabbing murder of his wife, Marilyn. Kilgallen was convinced that the good doctor was clean. Too bad for Shepard, Dorothy wasn't on the jury. I don't think she could think of a motive that satisfied her. She was sure that he was innocent and she was sure that the jury would agree with her, alas, they finally did not. Shepard was thrown in the clink. Dorothy Kilgallen maintained the belief that Shepard was innocent and his exoneration 12 years later proved she was right. She also covered the Lindbergh baby, case, uh, baby kidnapping case, the Lenny Bruce First Amendment case. The New York Post called her the most powerful female voice in America. 
From the outside, it appeared Dorothy Kilgallen had it all. A serious career in journalism, a family, wealth, and celebrity status. Unfortunately, in time, her marriage to Richard Colmar began to fall apart. However, the couple never divorced and remained married only for the sake of appearances. I asked her why she didn't divorce Richard, and she said she could never do that to Richard. Richard had been too kind to her, and I think that had something to do with Karen. Richard Colmar was not the father of Karen. Yes. Did she explained anything about that? She said that Johnny Ray was the father of her youngest child. Did you notice a resemblance between Johnny Ray and Karen? I saw a strong resemblance. So Dick finally blew up and put his foot down. He threatened to kill Johnny, threw him out of their house, and told Dorothy that she was never to see him again. Johnny was scared, and he wouldn't take Dorothy's calls, and she fell apart to the point where she was hospitalized. Johnny would have to die before she could uh, stop loving him, and that was pretty strong. Despite trouble in her family life, Kilgallen's public profile was at its peak in the early 1960s. Her credibility as a reporter was rock solid, and she maintained her status in the New York celebrity scene. So the Dorothy Kilgallen story only gets more tragic. Uh, for starters, she didn't believe the Warren Commission report regarding the JFK assassination. She did not believe Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman or involved in the assassination at all of President Kennedy, much like my beliefs, and I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. Uh, so was she the first conspiracy theorist regarding the JFK topic, all the way in, I mean, she died in 1965, so it, it's just so crazy. And being a journalist, I believe she knew too much about, you know, everything that really happened. And she was about to expose what really happened in the JFK assassination, which leads into my next clip talking about it. So let's play that clip. She had even met President John F. Kennedy on several occasions including one visit to the White House, where she recalled he was especially warm to her youngest son, Carrie. When Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963, Dorothy Kilgallen was devastated. Two days later, when alleged assassin Lee Harvey Oswald was killed in the Dallas police station, her suspicions grew. On November 29th, she wrote a column urging President Johnson to satisfy the public's uneasy mind about this peculiar assassination of the assassin, or he will start his term in office by making a dire political mistake. She went on to say, the case is closed, is it? Well, I'd like to know how, in a big smart town like Dallas, a man like Jack Ruby, owner of a striptease honky-tonk, can stroll in and out of police headquarters as if it was at a health club, at a time when a small army of law enforcers is keeping a tight security guard on Oswald. Dorothy Kilgallen began to focus on Oswald's killer, Jacob Rubenstein, also known as Jack Ruby, a Dallas nightclub owner with connections to the mafia and the Dallas police. So what did Dorothy do? Well, she started looking into the facts. And I will tell you right now, she was not interested in Lee Harvey Oswald. She looked at the one person that she could investigate and where she would find the truth and who was that it was jack ruby alone amongst the mainstream press reporters dorothy began harboring suspicions that the so-called open and shut case against lee harvey oswald was not so open and shut dorothy was finding dissident witnesses uh deposing them publishing their testimony kilgallen traveled to dallas to cover jack ruby's trial first thing she did was ingratiate herself with Melvin Belli, Joe Tonahill, and the defense team. She had dinner with Belli and, and Tonahill. She did as much as she could to learn everything from them. 
She told me that she had had a contact with a friend of Jack's from San Francisco. I believe it was an opera singer that he was very fond of, and she wanted to pass along a message to him. And I told Jack that, and he said, yeah, I'd like to talk with her. And uh, I told the four guards, Jack had a, a bodyguard shield around him of four deputy sheriffs sitting there behind him, you know, and everywhere he went. And I told them and uh, that uh, she wanted to ask Jack some questions and speak with him at recess, and that he had agreed to it, and they said, okay. So at, uh, when, when the judge declared the noon recess, uh, Jack went over and spoke with her. It was in the courtroom right behind his chair where he was sitting. There was a rail there, and he got up and went to the, she was on the other side of the rail, Jack was on this side, and they had a little conversation. I think the press had already left the courtroom at that time. He wasn't uttering nonsense uh, because this interview with her was a very significant point in his uh, classless life, you know, and uh, I think he was, uh, enjoyed it very much and cooperated with her in every way that he could and uh, told her the truth as uh, he understood it. Now you're probably wondering, uh, yeah, what did Ruby tell her? I wish I could tell you. Because when Dorothy Kilgallen died, her files, her documents, everything disappeared. They've never been found. We don't know what he told her. The only thing we do know is shortly thereafter, she didn't go to Washington, D.C. to look into the government or anything. She didn't stay in Dallas looking into LBJ. She didn't go to Cuba looking at the Cubans or, or Russia. Where'd she go? She went to New Orleans. Did Dorothy say that when she traveled with you in the future, she wanted to stay in a separate hotel? And she said that when we were in New Orleans, uh, she came back, she called me and she, I went there to do her hair so she'd look better in the pictures that were being taken of her. And I'd done her hair and left the hotel and uh, was fooling around town. And she said, she called me and she said, I want you to leave immediately. I don't want you to tell anyone you were ever here with me. I don't want anyone to know that you were ever here with me. And don't ask me any more questions. And I got on the plane and flew back to New York. On August 9th, 1964, Kilgallen shocked the nation by publishing Jack Ruby's testimony to the Warren Commission before it was released to the public. She printed on the front page of the Journal American before the president received it. And therein lies the tale. From then on, we were stalked. Who's we? Mark, myself, our phones were tapped. We were trying to find out where she got her information from. All our phones were tapped because they were trying to figure out how she had gotten them. The FBI immediately undertook an investigation to find out how Dorothy Kilgallen had obtained Ruby's testimony. She refused to reveal her source to the FBI agents who interviewed her, saying she would die rather than reveal his identity. Kilgallen later quipped about the interview in a column. The FBI might be more profitably employed in probing the facts of the case rather than how I got them, which does seem a waste of time to me. When the Warren Report was released, Dorothy Kilgallen remained a vocal critic of the Oswald Lone Assassin conclusion. She told those close to her that she was working on a book that would reveal what she learned in her interview with Jack Ruby and her subsequent trips to New Orleans. She would say, I'm going to New Orleans. I gotta meet a man there. It's all very cloak and daggerish. I wondered a lot about this so-called folder that she had. She brought it into the dressing room at What's My Line and said, here's all the stuff that I've learned and uh, I'm working on it. Nobody can have a look at it. And she was carrying around a big packet of papers with her that she said pertained to the assassination. 
She said that this would be the case of a lifetime, uh, a story of a lifetime, that she would prove who assassinated the president. She never quit. She dug up something. She dug up something about the assassination of President Kennedy that somebody didn't want her to know because she even told us of her own volition. She said, I used to share things with you guys. And she said, but after I have found out now what I know, she said, if the wrong people knew what I know, it would cost me my life. And she was dead about nine months later. Kilgallen seemed bent on following the organized crime angle of the case. It was a world she was very familiar with as a New York socialite and journalist. She even had a mob connection of her own. I understand that Dorothy had some acquaintance with Frank Costello. Yes, he gave her a diamond cross, and she said, I can't wear this diamond cross, it was huge. So we broke it up and made it into earrings. At a little Italian restaurant downtown, um, we went down there for dinner one night, and he was there and he bought us drinks and he was very nice to us. She later told me who he was. I did not know who he was. Now this man was supposedly a major organized criminal and yet he was not uh, he was not pulling a gun on you or anything like that? No, we were probably safer with him that night than any place else we would be. Um, did Dorothy ever tell you if she was pumping Mr. Costello for details about him? She would never have told me that, never. So you don't know if Mr. Costello gave her information? Yeah, I'm sure he did but she would never tell me that she was trying to get something out of him. Author Mark Shaw believes Kilgallen may have been investigating New Orleans Mafia boss, Carlos Marcello, who had a clear motive for revenge against the Kennedy family. She went to New Orleans because Carlos Marcello, one of the most dangerous mafioso in the, in the country, the one with the greatest motive to have killed Jack Kennedy, so Bobby Kennedy was powerless, which is exactly what happened. She connected Lee Harvey Oswald, Jack Ruby, and Carlos Marcello. Bobby Kennedy then said to his associates, someday I'm gonna get rid of that guy. When John F. Kennedy became president in 1961, he installed his younger brother, Robert, as attorney general. One of Bobby Kennedy's first targets was Carlos Marcello. A candidate for deportation could file an unlimited number of motions to stay deportation. Marcello obviously had almost unlimited economic resources. Kennedy had federal agents kidnap Marcello when Marcello went to report to the Immigration and Naturalization Service in office in New Orleans. They took him and put him on a plane and dropped him off in Guatemala. After three days in the wilderness, Marcello made it to civilization. Marcello sneaked back into the U.S. two months <laughs> later, and Kennedy increased his efforts to get the mobster out of the country. Marcello seethed under the heat of Bobby Kennedy's attention, and then in 1962, the usually discreet boss let it slip that he had murder on his mind. But what you do, you cut off at the head, the tail dies. In 1965, Kilgallen had begun a romantic affair with a younger journalist from Ohio named Ron Pataki. Meanwhile, Kilgallen began to experience threats and intimidation, allegedly to scare her from revealing her findings. At her maybe three or four weeks before she died, I'm not sure of the time anymore, but she told me she was going to get a gun because uh, her life was being threatened and she was scared for her life and for her family. She woke up one morning in the New York newspaper. There was a picture of Carrie. He was walking across, uh, running across Central Park and it scared her to death because she thought somebody was following Carrie. They were after her son. She was very worried that Carrie would be kidnapped. Means that somebody was following him. Her life had been threatened. And I said, 
The only new person in your life is Bo Pataki. Why don't you ask him if all this information that's slipping out about you is coming from him? Now, there was something that Dorothy Kilgallen knew that the feds didn't want her to know. And that's my personal opinion. And before I get you guys' opinion, you and Opa, I want to play you this last clip and think about, is this death suspicious while, while this clip is playing? So let's play that clip. On the evening of November 7th, 1965, Dorothy Kilgallen appeared on a live broadcast of What's My Line. Miss Dorothy Kilgallen. Mrs. Stone, is there anything dangerous about the product that you make? Yes. Might it be considered some form of firearms? No, we couldn't call it firearms. Miss Kilgallen. Would it do a lot of damage and make a lot of noise? Yes, sir. Would it be in the dynamite family? Yeah, it would be in the dynamite family. Is it dynamite? Yeah, that's dynamite. That's <laughs> what we were talking about here, that dynamite. I don't know anybody else in the dynamite family. <laughs> what do you think Mrs. Stone does with dynamite? I think that Mrs. Stone sells dynamite. You're absolutely right. That's when they told us that if we wanted, you know, the, to go to the hotel and uh, they'd send us over in a limousine. When we got there, this man was sitting next to her. They were really close and I could see they both had a, a drink. There wasn't any laughing, a laugh or, you know, like people joking or this and that and other. They were talking. And the reason I know this is for the fact that I kept an eye on her because I wanted to talk to her afterwards to tell her, you know, that I enjoyed being there and happy that she guessed my line, so on and so forth. This is where she was, definitely in that corner right there. And the man was sitting? Right next to her. Right next to her. And I mean close, because they were talking. They were, they didn't want anybody else to hear or what or, you know. I will do about anything to talk to people or anything. You know, back, I had a lot of guns back when I was younger. but. I knew they were talking business, serious business of some kind, you know. I had that feeling. I did her hair before the show, and uh, she told me to um, come the next morning before nine. I arrived at the house at nine, used my key, I think it was about 8.30, 8.45, used my key, let myself in, went upstairs. The light was on, and she wasn't there. So I turned on my curling irons, and I walked into the bedroom, not thinking that she would be there. And she was sitting up in bed and I walked over to the bed and touched her and I knew she was dead right away. She was dressed very peculiarly. She always dressed in pajamas and old socks and her makeup was off and her hair was off and everything was done. She was completely dressed like she was going out. The hair was in place, the makeup was on, the false eyelashes were on, a book laid out on the bed, a drink on the table, the light was on, the air conditioning was on. Though you didn't need an air conditioner, you would have had the heat on. And she was always cold. And why she had the air conditioning on, I don't know. Possibly someone else had turned on. Well, maybe to keep the body at a certain temperature. I went back in the dressing room, picked up the intercom and rang for James. And I said, James, I am unable to wake Miss Kilgallen. Could you please come up? <coughs> he ran up the stairs, I could hear him. He came up the front stairs. And James came in and he was very flustered. He wasn't himself at all. And I was very upset. So I turned to him and I said, um, I'm going home. You can reach me there if you want to. And I left the building. And when I got downstairs and went out the front door, there was a police car sitting in front of the house. There were two officers in it. They didn't pay any attention to me when I came out. 
do you find it strange that these police officers did not approach you? I found it very strange that they were sitting there dead in front of the house and Dorothy was dead upstairs. Yes, I find it very strange. Mark called me on the phone and told me that he had found her dead. And when he said to me, he said, when I tell you the bed she was found in and how I found her, he said, you're gonna know she was murdered. It, it was just abnormal. The woman didn't sleep in that bed, much less the room. That was Richard's bed. It wasn't her bed. Kilgallen's death was quickly ruled an accidental overdose by a combination of alcohol and barbiturates. No police investigation ever took place. That sound like a staged death scene to you? No investigation. Now, in my opinion, that is a textbook example of a staged crime slash death, you know, made to look like a suicide or like a, you know, um, uh, accidental death. So what are your thoughts about that, Jake? Do you think she knew too much or? Oh, yeah, she definitely knew too much. And uh, watching this story about her really makes me think that the CIA taking out JFK uh, yes, that's kind of where we've leaned in the past, but it really does look like there's a definite mafia connection. And perhaps it was the mafia through the CIA that had this all orchestrated, but uh, wow, what a conspiracy, man. Really, really does show that if you know too much and if you don't just come right out and tell everybody, you're in a lot of danger because uh, if you spread the, the truth and get it out there, then what are they going to do? Make you a martyr? But mm -hmm. if you have the truth and you hide it and you just hold it, hold it up, you know, then you're more of a target to be taken out because they are going to try to prevent you from spreading what you know. So, and that's really why we have Skiba News Nation. And you know, I really believe that that my dad's death was, you know, planned. It was. It was a. It, he knew too much. And that's just my personal opinion. I can't prove that. But there were so many weird things. And you can all find you can find it all in my mom's book. But it's it's crazy. If you know too much, they will take you out. And that's that's sad for a free country. I mean, what are your thoughts, Opa? Yeah, I think uh she definitely uh was coming up with a lot of uh, information that uh, was going to be a shock to everybody. Uh, the thing that I found weird was the, was the uh, hairdresser. I mean, why, when he found her in a bed, dead, why didn't he call the police himself instead of just leaving and, and I don't know, that sounded weird to me. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a hired, you know, hired by the CIA or a, a informant or something, you know? Maybe had a had a hand in it, but that's all I got for Dorothy Kilgallen. You guys know that I love JFK, and I love like I would do it every week if I could. And uh, if you guys want more JFK, there's new stuff coming out every day that I could share. But you guys just let me know in the comment section. But that's not all I that's all I have for Dorothy Kilgallen. That's not all I have for game shows though. Now, as you guys know, I'm the biggest Norm Macdonald fan. And I've seen every clip Norm was ever in. Did you know, Jake, that Norm Macdonald was on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and almost won, but Regis Feldman talked him out of it, of winning? What? Cause, yes, because he played, you know, he always played the dumb guy because he always said nobody likes a guy that's smarter than them. So 
he was about to win and Regis talked him out of it. So ch check out this clip. It'll blow your mind. Now let's let's look at it for a million, okay? This question of can you believe it, baby? A million dollars. Yeah. Gonna be yours. Me, here, me? It, here it comes. For the kids. Oh, for the kids. <laughs> for the kids. During the Cold War, the US government built a bunker to house Congress under what golf resort? The Breakers. The Green Briar. Pinehurst. The Broadmoor. They always say don't go with the obvious one, right? That's what somebody told me backstage. See, here's the problem. Let's say I lose all that money and it gets back to Paul Newman. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. I look like a You'd lose $468,000. I wouldn't lose it. The children. Of course, the children would lose it. But you would lose it for the children. You don't want to do that, do you? I don't know, man. It's, uh, you got a little gambling streak in you, don't you? You want to see if you could beat the game, don't you? You want to win a million dollars, don't you? Well, I'm gonna say mine. You're gonna say what? I'll say the miners, but you say don't go with the obvious, so I'll say Greenbrier. Please, before you say final answer, no. So he I'm definitely just picked B. 468,000. Unless you shoot. Okay, fine, forget it. <laughs> it, it could be Piner. Is that what you're gonna say? I'm just giving the half a million, look quick. Alright. Do you do you wanna walk? What? Do you I have to find out if you wanna walk away. Well no, I was gonna answer a question. What are you talking about? <laughs> I quit. It's too much for me. I can't stand it. What do you want to do, baby? Tell me what you want to do. Well, I, I think it, I was gonna. I think Pinehurst is too obvious, so I guess I would say. No, he picked C. What's it mean? Greenbrier. Or B. What are you making that page for? Forget it. I'm scared to death. Okay, give me that. Forget it. I'll just give it half a million. All right. What do you think? Take a guess. I have no idea. I said my guess is I guess I was wrong. It must be one of those. Did others. you say Greenbrier? I said. Yeah. Yeah, you would have won a million, but oh! hey, no. <laughs> five hundred thousand. Come on, be happy. This is why I do not watch game shows. Oh, that, you know, that was like a, on the, on the a show, one night, uh, Norm he knew he was about to get it and convinced him not to. And these are awesome too. I love David Letterman. Was on the was on the Millionaire Show, and Norm is you know he comes on and he just behaves like a nitwit. Well, it turns out he's some sort of like genius yeah. nitwit yeah. because he he runs the damn board on the Millionaire Show, and they get right up to the the million dollar question, and Norm says, I think A, and Regis says, Are you sure, Norm? And Norm <laughs> says, Yeah, I'm sure. And and Regis says, Well, it's a lot of money. Think it over. Take your time. You want to reconsider? And then Norm says, Well, what are you driving at, Regis? Maybe I got the wrong answer. You're telling me I got the wrong answer. Right, right. So now, uh, Regis makes Norm start to sweat. Right. He's about to go home with a million damn dollars. Yeah. Regis talks him into changing his answer. And what happened? He was wrong. Oh, you're kidding. He was wrong. Regis threw him off. That's right. Is so, that legal? Yeah, and so he, he, he walks out of there with a gift certificate from the gas. That's not, I don't think that's legal. <laughs> How can you do such a thing? And I 
Hold on, there's a little pause right here. Maybe we can clip this out. Now, what about, I told this story about this uh, when uh, Norm uh, McDonald was on your show. Do you remember that? I remember it He's very well. He's a million dollars, Regis. He can walk home with a million dollars. First of all, Norm says to me, you know, I'm playing for Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall kids. That's great. Hole in the Wall gang. Yeah, have you ever been up there to that camp? I hear it's fantastic. Oh, it's unbelievable. And it's a terrific thing that oh, Paul Newman has done. They do Newman a fantastic done. job. But you understand, he has won $500,000. Mm -hmm. Now, if he goes for the million and he misses, right. the Hole in the Wall gang get thirty thirty-two thousand right. dollars Still a nice a nice A nice sum, but I want them to be sure to get the half million. That's right. So the question comes up, where did uh, the U.S. Congress build a bunker during World War II under which famous golf course? Mm -hmm. And we mentioned four golf courses. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Norm is vacillating between Piedmont and another one, and he can't make up his mind, and he's going back and forth. And I was saying to him, Norm, if you really don't know, you know, because he's saying, I'm playing for the kids. That's right. Don't you want me to win for the kids? Right. If I lose, you're to blame. You've got to face those kids one day. Right. Right. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm against the kids. Well, that's what it looks like. <laughs> so I said to Norm, Norm, be smart. Be take careful. the 500. Be careful. Oh, oh, I but if see. you really don't know the answer, take the 500. 500. Right. And that's exactly what he did. I see. Okay. Oh, oh, so he didn't go on and blow the question. You talked him out of going on. That's right. And, and he ended up with a half a million for the kid. But he, in his mind, you know how it worked out? He had the right answer. He had the right. So he could have gone on for a million. That's right. Well, see, now I stand corrected because I thought you had bullied him out of the million. Because, you know, <laughs> because uh, I know that a percentage of that comes out of your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you guys are murder. First of all, I got him slandering me with Kelly Ripper, and then you're killing me with Norm. Yeah. I didn't know you were on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, yeah, I was on that show. You could have won a million. I saw that. I won a half a million dollars, but I didn't get to keep it. I had to give it to a charity. Darn it. What charity Darn did you give it to? I gave it to, well, I always wanted to meet Paul Newman. So uh, it turns out he has this great charity for sick children. And I thought, uh, hey, this fits in perfectly with my desire to meet Paul Newman. So I gave all the money to his sick children uh, in order to meet him. Did you get to meet him? No. No? <laughs> uh, he sent me a letter, but then I, I, uh, I felt guilty like uh, that I'd given all this money to the sick children only to meet Paul Newman. So I, 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 uh, I talked it over with my uh, lord, and I decided it was, it, was, it was a venal thing I had done. Well, it was a good, it was, you had good intentions. And maybe because... No, I had bad intentions, but I, I ended up with a good... good action. I had a good result, and then I didn't pay off on my bad intentions, so it, it turned out it was all right. Remember, what are some of your Regis memories? Uh, well, one time I was on his other show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and uh, uh, it was Celebrity Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, so the questions are a little easier. Yeah, you won. <laughs> I heard they didn't give you the money. Yeah. No, they no, they give it to a charity. They don't tell oh, you. Oh, that's. that's <laughs> no, they give it. To, they give it to sick children. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's yeah, true. that's nice. They need, you know, they need money too. Are you drunk? <laughs> that's it. Now you should have seen Opa's face if if I had a camera facing him when <laughs> Regis talked him out of it. He went. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean me and, and I left the Letterman clip in there because me and Opa would always watch Letterman because he was like one of the last great actual late night talk show hosts him and Conan I think because there weren't they weren't too political they weren't too you know and you, we all know how that art form is dying but uh, you guys have any any thoughts on that I just thought that was super interesting and thought you guys would get a kick out of it
Yeah, I, I love how he breaks down his public persona as people don't like you if you're smarter than them or if they think you're smarter than them. So he uh, he plays the part really well. And, of course, I, I think he's hyper-intelligent behind the facade, right? Oh, but, yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons he's so funny. You know, you can tell he's kind of in on the joke, mm -hmm. but he, he kind of plays the fool. Yeah, and our good friend Owen Benjamin loves Norm, too. I can see a lot of Norm in Owen Benjamin, like his comedy. You can tell he's, like, severely influenced by Norm. Like, even when he was talking to us, he kind of, the way that he spoke was very much Norm. And I was like, man, I'm going to get along with this guy. But, uh, Opa, what do you think about it? I think he had the right answer, and I think he got talked out of it. Yeah, because he 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 was right on Pinehurst. I mean, I mean, he was going between the two, but then he decided he wanted uh, the B, and and he got talked out of it. He he got nervous. And I noticed you laughed pretty hard when uh, when Letterman said, "And that comes out of your paycheck." <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because it probably does. Anyways, that's all I got for history this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But before we move on. Me, Jake, and Opa have some exciting news. It's finally here. Me and Jake's band, Truth Frequency, released our first single called Quest for Truth featuring my dad, Rob Skiba. It's available everywhere today. We are living in a sea of lies. I don't care what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. Whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a, he's on a, he's on a quest for truth. What does it mean to be a stranger in the world that you live? Wicked men will not do you favors in the knowledge that they give. I'm a truth seeker, that's what I am. I see through the scan from the moon landings to 9-11. Truth shaker the earth. Yeah, we all know it's a flat land I see the signs in the sky as if I was Batman These are lies that are starting to sprout You'll become your own god or you will go straight to hell Human ascension that's destined to fail Men ignore I claim to be the light The blind leading the blind are always destined to find A god less poison indoctrinated lie I will continue towards the truth Forever on the quest Nothing left to lose I will continue towards the truth Forever on the quest Nothing left to lose We dive into topics others won't touch Self-educate down the rabbit hole is never too much The more we uncover it will never be quite enough We're on the quest for truth so please come along with us, us Family will turn against family May the most high forgive them for what they can see Cognitive dissonance is removed painfully As you awake you will find Truth is more beautiful than they can hide, than they can hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're on the quest for truth, truth. I said we're on the quest for truth. Yeah, 
Okay, well, uh, Jake, you got some good memes for us today? Oh, yeah, I got some great ones. And All right. I'm excited for everybody to hear the new song, too. So just had to say that. But, yeah, let's do some memes. All right, meme me up. All right. All right. Uh, why do milking stools have only three legs? Because the cow has the udder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a couple punny ones uh, submitted by Opa uh, that I am really happy to include. Near future game show. Sorry, Arthur. Your answer was actually correct, but Paul shouted his opinion louder, so he gets the point. And an extra bonus point also goes to Sue, as she was offended by your answer. <laughs> um, that reminds me of that wokeism governance video I shared right at the beginning. The Mixed second with video that norm clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, wow, the winner from the Texas Sand Sculpture Festival. Uh, is uh, Abraham Lincoln palming his face like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? You know, here in the State Fair of Texas, we have butter sculptures at the State Fair. People carve this, these cool things out of butter, and I don't know why it's butter, but it's always wow, been butter. very interesting. Yeah, I feel like Texas is one of the worst places in the states to have a butter sculpture. I feel like it would melt. It's inside. Uh, oh, okay. They, they right. Well, that makes cool. sense. You got to come down for a state fair, man. It's it's the best state fair. Well, I've never been to any other state fair, so my opinion's biased. But you should come down next time there's a state fair. Sounds like fun. Sweet. Uh, life is short. Buy those shoes. Go on vacation. Quit your job. Lose your house. Fall into crippling debt. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Treat yourself. Yeah, this is kind of what uh you know we're being encouraged to do. Uh, all right, here we go. Egg shortage because hens identifying as roosters. <laughs> That's funny. Guess I've had too much caffeine. I thought this lady was a Muppet. I did too. I must have it had too much caffeine. Kind of <laughs> uh, Target ing kids. <laughs> you know, funny. a lot of this trans wokeism stuff started with the target decision to allow men and women's bathrooms and mm -hmm. uh that was back in like 2017 or something so it's really interesting seeing it come full circle and i know recently uh target started promoting a t-shirt that says satan uses pronouns mm -hmm. and i think it's hilarious because uh while it might seem offensive the t-shirt technically is true because mm -hmm. satan's all about sodomy so of course oh, yeah. he's Pro pronoun, right? <laughs> More like grooming kids, right? Gro yeah. Grooming them with the culture and the acceptance of depravity, right? All right. Uh, you had one job and you nailed it. <laughs> I uh, I see pictures of cool. people stacking drinks all the time. And this is a, this is a really impressive uh, feat there. Yeah talent uh here's one opa sent it's a, a really peculiar scene of a car 
bending around a bike that it crashed into. Wow. I want to know what kind of bike that is. Yeah. Superman. Superbike. Uh, so where exactly do you see yourself in 10 years? Living in a hobbit hole. <laughs> Off grid. That would be cool. Staying alive. Uh, we have gray pride. We're old. We're tired. Get off our lawn. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, Where's but... our straight pride flag? Right? The American flag? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Older siblings creating trust issues since forever. <laughs> it's a kid looking into a water hose that <laughs> the, the sibling's about to be like, Psh, surprise. <laughs> It's like a Charlie oh, man, Brown sketch. Cute. Or cousins. Cousins do that too. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, when you find, when you and your Facebook friends finally agree to meet somewhere, all the fellow crazies together, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. The DMV be like, you forgot to bring the Declaration of Independence. We can't give you your license or tax or whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> I remember having to bring so many proofs of identity and proofs of location. You know, it's interesting. Uh, tethered to the Babylon system. A heart-shaped lightning strike during a thunderstorm over France. Hi, I'm Thor, and you're watching Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It kind of looks like a Disney mouse head. Like a Mickey Mouse? Yeah, Mickey how Mickey... Where's Mickey head? You remember that back on the Disney Channel, they used to have like the Where's Mickey, like during different shows, they would have like the different shapes hidden, and then they'd uh, yeah hid, hidden Mickey's. Like, where's Waldo? Yeah, hidden Mickey's. Yeah, that's it. All right, uh, here's a good reminder for the Jew: Torah should lead them to Messiah. For the Gentile, Messiah should lead them to Torah. Um, it kind of breaks down, you know, what walking the narrow path actually is all about. Torah, by the way, just means instructions. You know, you follow the instructions of the Almighty. And uh, in this month, people are waving around the fact that they uh, are doing the opposite of the instructions, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever prayed for rain, please pray for my bank account. <laughs> uh, today I learned that if you flip a canoe over, you can wear it as a hat because it's capsized. Ah. <laughs> uh, there's a couple really punny ones this week. Today I picked up a new hobby. Drawing stick figure arms on birds. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It makes it look hilarious. Alright. Uh, whoa. Someone blew, uh, someone blew his head off. Ah! <laughs> That's funny. Uh, my daughter's really into getting flowers and, you know, Especially little uh, dandelion flowers blowing the seeds everywhere. Our house in the middle of the street. How unfortunate, man. That would suck. <laughs> Is that one of You're those wide loads? Your... Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of those wide loads had an accident. Well, everybody who's waiting in traffic can come in for coffee. All right. <laughs> uh I almost dropped my phone on my soft carpet floor, but thank God I have lightning flap, lightning fast reflexes and was able to slap it into the wall instead. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> oh, man. Trying to catch it and you're like, Poof! oh, no. 
Teacher, you have five minutes to copy everything from the whiteboard. 21st century students. <laughs> Picture. <laughs> All right. Uh, cop, do you know why I pulled you over? Driver, yes, but unfortunately, that's not a real donut. It's just a tire cover. I changed all my passwords to Kenny. Now I have all Kenny logins. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, man. I thought this one was really cool. It's uh, kind of that awkward stare beam, but it's that experiment where when you look at an atomic level of light particles, when you observe it, it actually syncs up and it's no longer random in mm -hmm. how it goes through these two slots but the meme yeah, I thought it was kind of funny <laughs> it just shows that uh, reality reacts to us when we interact with it yeah am I being tested again this this one of your hardest battles you literally just need to put your phone down and go outside <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's why they want to keep us glued to these babies keep yep. us distracted and focused on our troubles husband no more dogs or cats me no worries i have something better in mind pet cow oh, no i think i'd keep my cats <laughs> yeah all right if you get lost in the woods find a possum follow it you will be in the middle of a road in no time <laughs> that's funny and last one for this week. Uh, we showed it already. Uh, June is almost there. Here it comes. All right. So that's all the memes for this week, Jeremiah. Thank you. Take a bow, Jake. Take a bow. They loved you. They loved you, man. Okay. We got to get better at that. We got to get better. <laughs> Jake, thank you for another great current news and memes as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. Hope you guys enjoyed today's history segment. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode, episode 50. Uh, so never give up, never stop fighting, and let's continue our journey as we stay on the quest for truth. Subscribe and stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform.